Well, good morning. I don't know about y'all, but I am weary of sub-zero temperatures. Goodness. We can keep that stuff up in Alaska or Canada or something. I don't know. But I remember our first year here, 2017, it was pretty cold. There was some real cold snap then. I remember it was below zero, and then the wind chill, I think, was negative 40. And I grabbed the fuel nozzle to put fuel in my truck, and I got, like, freezer burn on my fingers. And I thought, oh, why would you live here? But we've learned to love South Dakota. But that was the same year that we had Caleb come for spring break in April. We had about eight or ten inches of snow, so it's not over yet. Uh, but, uh, well, it's good to be here this morning, regardless of the weather. So, praise the Lord for modern technology and heat. And I used to think, boy, I wish I grew up in the old west. You know, but I'm thankful for modern conveniences today, I'll tell you that much. So they still had this weather back then. It's amazing they survived. So, but uh, um, Psalm 119 this morning will be in the uh, fifth stanza of the psalm. And uh, we'll look at some things that remind us of the importance of being good stewards of God's word, if you will. Uh, A student of the word. Verses 33 uh, through verses 40. As I mentioned, the fifth stanza here uh, of the psalm. The word of God says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Incline my heart unto thy testimonies, and not to covetousness. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. Establish thy word unto thy servant, who is devoted to thy fear. Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Heavenly Father, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. Father, I thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that you would be glorified in our Sunday school classes throughout the building this morning, I pray that your word would go forth with free course. And Lord, that you would do uh, a work in our heart uh, that would strengthen us, Lord, to walk closer to thee. And we'll give you the thanks and the praise for all of it. And this week, we ask that you'd be with Brother Brock as he goes in for surgery. Pray, Lord, that you just guide the doctor's hands. And Lord, I pray that that surgery would be successful, that it would accomplish that which it's intended. And Lord, that you give quick healing and recovery. And Father, we'll thank you for that. And we do once again ask you to meet with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I mentioned, uh, we ought to be students of the Word. And uh, as we've been going through this stanza, obviously it emphasizes the importance of God's Word and uh, how we apply it to our lives and how we use it and and how we ought to learn of it. And, And so here we see a prayer for illumination. The psalmist is praying that God would teach him some things from the Word of God, and and he's asking God to illuminate him. It says, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. In verse uh, 34 says, give me understanding. In verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. And and so he's asking for illumination, and and, uh, the, the idea here is to shine the light, to make something visible or understandable. And did you know that God wants everyone to understand his word? I believe that's true. 
Um, I believe that's why many missionaries often give their lives to translate the Word of God. Um, we hear stories throughout history, and, and even today, uh, there are still those that are translating the Word of God into native tongues of those people that they're ministering to. And, and, uh, but <clears throat> God wants everybody to understand His Word. And, and uh, re- the reality is, many of the, or the first colleges or universities in America were established for this reason. And uh, how far have we come? Uh, you know, and, and pray for our nation. But, but God wants everyone to understand. And the psalmist has a prayer here uh, in verse 34. Give me understanding uh, and I shall keep thy law. I shall observe it with, thy, uh, with my whole heart. And, and listen, this isn't natural. Uh, it's not natural to have this desire uh, to know the word of God. And it's not natural to live the word of God. Um, uh, we, we don't need anyone to teach us how to sin, do we? Uh, how many of you raised kids? So I've raised three boys, still raising them, I guess you'd say. And, and, uh, what's that? Yeah, they're sinners. Uh, They're born sinners. And we didn't have to teach them to do the things that, uh, that are contrary to the things of God. Uh, it was natural for them, uh, because they're sinners and, and, uh, we have a dog. And he barks. Sometimes it can get annoying. He's a little thing. And, you know, you know how the, the stereotype of little dogs and how they're just annoying and they seem so ferocious. And, and uh, the other day we had somebody that came to our door and uh, <clears throat> I was giving away something free. They, some, for, I had a, a water heater element that was just in our house when we moved in. And, and uh, I think it was an extra one for our water heater. But somebody said their water heater was out and uh, I saw it on the Ellsworth uh, page on base, and I said, hey, listen, I got one, and it's actually the same water heater you have. And so they came to get it. Well, our dog, Watson, thinks that he's a killer. And uh, boy, he just he loves to get out there. And he's never bitten anyone. He's not really, but you would think he's aggressive. And he does that because he's a dog. That's just the dog's nature. Um, and that's similar like our children and like us. Uh, we're just naturally sinners. Uh, it comes natural, if you will. Um, <clears throat> and so we need to be careful of that and, and understand that as Christians. Um, uh, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Uh, but we need the scriptures to teach us how to be righteous. And of course, I'm not talking about the righteousness we receive at salvation in Christ, and, and that's something for another time that we can discuss. But I'm telling you, uh, we ought to be instructed through the Word of God on how to live a righteous life. And uh, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that there's not decent people in the world, right? There's, there's decent people, people that we look, humanly speaking, we look at them and how they conduct themselves. They seem like a decent individual and and those things. That's not what we're talking about, but there's no righteous person uh, in and of themselves. And, and uh, we all sin because we are selfish and sinful to the core. Uh, that's our nature. And, and the psalmist, I believe, understands this. Uh, and he wants God to teach him to be righteous. And so he has this prayer that God would teach him, that God would give him understanding uh, he looks to God for help, and, and he asks God to illuminate his mind so he can clearly see God's statutes in his law. And uh, 2 Timothy 3.16 teaches us uh, at least four things 
uh, that Scripture profits in our lives, we know that doctrine, reproof, correction, but it ends with instruction in righteousness. It says this, all Scripture is by given, given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And, and so we need God's Word to instruct us on how we ought to live. Uh, it points out the things that are wrong in our life, right? And, and it, it tells us how to correct those things. And, and the Word of God is very important. I believe the psalmist understood that. And, and he's asking God to illuminate him, to give him understanding. How many of you ever read the Word of God and you're just like, whew, I'm not sure what I read. I don't quite understand that. Um, I've been there. Um, and, and sometimes it's especially hard when you got something you're about to teach. It's like, I'm not sure I know what's going on here, you know. Lord, I need your help. Uh, I want to understand this in the way that you desire and, and, and the application that you have for me. And, and uh, so we, that ought to be our prayer that we're praying for illumination. That God would illuminate, that God would teach us his word and, and instruct us in his word. And, and uh, listen, Satan's uh, lie, one of the lies that Satan has is that God's way isn't fun. Uh, he sells that all the time, and, and oftentimes he counters it by saying that Satan's way is just funner or more fun. Is it funner a word? It's more gooder <laughs> if it's more funner. Um, but, uh, uh, but Satan, that's one of his lies. You know, he wants to convince us that God commands a dull and boring and miserable life, uh, that you just can't enjoy things. And, uh, but the reality is the Bible is really a deep source of delight. Look at verse 35. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. We can find delight in the things of God. And, and listen, I believe that's because the, the psalmist had practiced some of the things, and we've looked at it over the last few weeks, and, and he had wanted to know the commandments so that he could do those commandments. Right? It says there, and I shall keep it unto the end. He said, Lord, I need you to teach me these things so I can keep them. Uh, he was committed to whatever God was going to instruct or teach him to do. Uh, listen, and, and he, he was committed to that before he learned what God wanted. And I think that's critical that we understand. Um, and, he, and he says, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. He, he's saying, God, I'm going to follow you wholeheartedly, but I don't even know understand it all necessarily right now. I need you to teach me. I need you to give me understanding. And he says, make me to go in the path of thy commandments. And it says, for therein do I delight. I believe he can say this because he's experienced the delight in the goodness of God by applying the scriptures to his life. He's able to say, I delight in this because I've seen the goodness of God as I've applied it to my life. Uh, and so uh, we need to uh, have the same attitude to say, God, whatever you want to show me, Lord, whatever you're going to illuminate, whatever you're going to reveal to me, I'm going to do. Um, and when we do that, we can begin to delight. I think it's oftentimes when we have it backwards, uh, we always want to know and try to figure it out and explain things and, and understand the beginning from the end before we decide we're going to do it. And consequently, we're miserable. Uh, and really, it's because it's a lack of obedience. Uh, listen, my kids have a great time in my home when they're obeying. 
So <clears throat> it's amazing how illustrations come up, and I hate to use my kids all the time, but um, I one of the things that I can't stand, if my kids' rooms are a little, you know, not necessarily organized and things, but what I cannot stand, and it just like throws me over the edge, and I have, I'll be honest, I have to control myself because I'll get angry about it, is when I go in their room and I find trash. I literally have flipped things over, and that's to my detriment. I must, you know, admit I'm not saying it was the right way to handle things, but I have literally flipped things over because I've been so frustrated with, are you kidding me? I don't know how many trash cans are in this house. <laughs> Put it in the trash can. And so yesterday I was, went into Carter's room, and he's been cleaning his room for, I don't know, I 14 years, I guess, I don't know, but, you know, and, and it's still just not quite there, and, and so I was like, well, I can't just pick on Carter, so I went downstairs and decided to look at the other rooms, and, and what do I find on the floor in one of the rooms down there, Caleb's room, trash, and he knew that I was not happy with that, and I've matured, I will say, and I handled myself a little bit better, but he knows that I can't stand trash, and uh, so I said, listen, well, you know, he kind of dealt with that. And, and uh, Cindy was in the craft room, which is down the, across the, the family room from there. And, and Caleb goes in there. And he's hanging out with mom. Nobody wants to hang out with dad right now. <laughs> because they violated my law. But I'm telling you this morning, when we are committed to doing what God asks us to do, before he's even asked us, we can delight We don't have to be concerned about the judgment. We don't have to be uneasy about the conviction in our lives because we are committed to doing what God wants us to do. And so when we pray that God would illuminate us and and teach us those things and give us those things, we need to be willing up front before he shows us those things to choose to do it. Um, And that's how uh, we can live this delightful life this enjoyable life. And, and we, we can go to those scriptures where, where God wants us to have that life and to have it more abundantly. We can see it over and over. Uh, uh, that God wants to give us that delight, but our part is being obedient. And, and uh, when he teaches us things, when he gives us understanding of those things, it says, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. We have to be committed to doing what God instructs us. Because uh, if not, we're going to be miserable. Uh, and, and I don't think I have to tell anybody in this crowd, I think you've been around long enough, when you've got sin in your life, it's miserable. I hate that. It's miserable. And, and the reality is we're not perfect. And we do struggle with our flesh. And those things are going to creep up in our lives. And listen, if that's not misery to you, you better be concerned. Uh, And and so listen this morning, uh, pray that God would illuminate it, but be committed to obedience before you know what it is. Uh, We know there's temporary pleasure in sin. Otherwise, nobody would do it, right? That's the reality of it. And and, uh, yet, those sins are are short-lived and they give birth to long-term trouble and regret. Uh, I know most of you have lived longer than I have in here. Maybe not two, but I don't know how old your daughter is, but... Uh, but I'm looking around the room. Most of you got me by a few years. And uh, I think you can understand that when you make wrong choices and decisions and you, you live your, your life contrary to the commandments of the Word of God, that there are some regrets along the way. 
Uh, there is some, some misery, if we will, and, and it's brought trouble. Um, <clears throat> listen, Moses could have lived the princely life in Egypt and enjoyed all those things that, uh, that Egypt could have offered. And Hebrews 11.25 says this, choosing, he made the choice. Uh, and we know it says to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And, and listen this morning, what I'm just trying to tell you is you need to choose the right thing. You need to choose to be committed to whatever God reveals to you from his word that you're going to do that. And you will save yourself a lot of trouble and a lot of regret if you choose up front that whatever God says you're just going to do. Uh, and you can live a life of delight, like we saw there in verse 35. And, and uh, one of my life verses, I love Psalm 16. And, and uh, Psalm 1611 really gives us the perspective of, that we ought to have. And it says in Psalm 1611, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And, and so listen, the devil tries to distract us and to get us to think that there's a better option. But the reality is there isn't. Sometimes we don't see it initially up front. But the pleasures that God has for us are forevermore. Uh, and we can have uh, <clears throat> the fullness of joy in his presence. When we're around God and, and, and when we have God's presence in our lives, we can be full of joy. And, and listen, I, I don't know about you, but that's what I want in my life. Um, I've been miserable at times. It's no fun, you know? Um, that goes without saying, really. It sounds kind of ridiculous, but how often sometimes do we choose to be in misery because we're unwilling to deal with those things that God's revealed to us from his word? And we, we can't relate to verse 35 where he's delighting in these things because we're miserable, consequently because of our sin in an unwillingness to deal with those things. And, and so listen this morning, to be a good student of God's word, we must pray for illumination, but be willing to be obedient. And, and listen, we need holy illumination of the scriptures. We need God's Holy Spirit to reveal those things. And, and listen, we will fail to experience and understand all the Lord has for us without it. Uh, there are Bible scholars, if you will. They know all things about the Bible but they don't have the Holy Spirit illuminating them. And they're not delighting in those things. And they're not, because uh, they're not experiencing it like God intended for the, for the child of God, if you will. And, and look at what I, I noticed here. He prays for inclination. And uh, the first one is illumination, so I found an I word. You're welcome. Uh, the psalmist had prayed for illumination or understanding to know the way, but he continued in verses 34 and verse 35 it says, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Verse 35, make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. And look at verse 36, incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. And so he asked God to bow his will and to quicken him uh, that he might do his duty. Like I said, it's not natural to desire to do these things. And so he says, God, incline me. God, make me to go in the path. God, give me that desire. Not only just show me. There's a lot of people in our churches today that have illumination, if you will. 
They know what the Word of God teaches. They know what the Word of God says. Many of them even know specifically what God wants them to do. But they're not doing it. They're not inclined to be obedient to the things of God. And so the psalmist here prays, and it says, Make me, incline my heart. Matthew Henry says this here. It says, Both the good head and the good heart are from the good grace of God, and both are necessary to every good work. It's not just enough to know. Uh, you have to do it, and, and you have to have that good heart or that desire to do it, and, and we need God's grace to give us that desire. And I know we, you know, as, as new creatures in Christ, we are made new, and, and we get those desires. And uh, I believe, though, this is our failing point. Oftentimes, we often pray that God would lead us, but are we willing to follow where he leads? Oh, God, show me. Uh, I'm in the midst of some decisions in my life now, and I'll admit to you this morning that sometimes you doubt. Well, God, I believe this is what you want. I say I have faith. I'm going to trust you. But look at these numbers. But look at these circumstances. And is my heart inclined to do what God's asking me to do? God, help us not to get to this point where we know, but we're unwilling. Uh, we must also pray for God to change us. And we understand he does that at salvation, but, but sometimes we need God to work in our heart continually to incline our hearts, to make us, to desire those things. And, but listen, the reality is sometimes it's tough when God shows you something from his word, it's tough to deal with that. Maybe it's because of years of this is what you've just always done or maybe because it's the significance of, of that. Maybe it's a relationship that needs to change. Whatever the case may be, it's not always easy to do the right thing. And so sometimes we need God to, to work in our hearts and, and we're like that clay and, and God wants to mold us and, and bend us. We need God to change our wanter. Oftentimes. What do you want in this life? And, and we'll get to that as we look at uh, number three here this, this morning. Pray to avoid preoccupation. Our natural man desires the vain things of this world and this is in opposition to what God desires for us. God has to change our wanter. He has to give us those inclinations to be obedient to his word. And, and uh, the psalmist mentions two of these uh, preoccupations, if you will, this morning. The first one is covetousness. In verse 36, it says, Incline my heart unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Again, we have that nature that is contrary to the things that, that God desires for us. And the psalmist is saying, God, I need you to work in my heart that I would desire those things that are best, those things that you desire. Because I have this, this sinful nature that is covetous. And I'll remind you this morning, or I'll let Webster remind you, covetousness, a strong or inordinate desire of obtaining and possessing some supposed good, usually in a bad sense, and applied to inordinate desire of wealth or avarice. And we know, in, according to Mark chapter 7, that out of your heart proceedeth covetousness. Uh, and, and we're told to mortify covetousness uh, 
in Colossians chapter 3. But, but the Hebrew word here translated covetous uh, means to plunder. Uh, and it's actually the same word in 1 Samuel that's translated lucre when it's talking about uh, the corrupt ways of Samuel's son. And it's inordinate affection for things God does not intend for us to have. Uh, but oftentimes we're guilty of covetousness. Desiring those things uh, of the world or desiring things that God has not for us. Uh, listen, we cannot have a proper relationship with God and his word if we are living in covetousness. It's impossible. Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters for he will either hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't seek after those things that are appealing to your flesh and at the same time please your God. It's impossible. You're going to do one or the other. And uh, as Christians, our chief desire ought to be God. And uh, to maintain a right relationship with Him and to keep His word, as we see the psalmist desiring to do. And uh, listen, anything else really is idolatry. Uh, that's what Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5 says covetousness is, which is idolatry. And uh, the word serve here means to enslave. Listen this morning, we need to take care not to enslave ourselves to the things of this world. When we begin desiring those things that aren't for us, that God never had for us. And listen, we need to be reminded that those things are less than what God has to offer. Our flesh desires those things, those material things and, and those things. But, but the reality is, even though they're physical things that we, we would like to have, when it comes to the eternal significance of those things, they mean nothing. And we need to be very careful that we don't enslave ourselves to those and lose sight of what God really has for us. Because I, I, you guys can probably, you know, you've been around people. Boy, they're living for the material things of this life and they're just loving life, right? No, deep down they're miserable. They have no fulfillment. They might have the biggest, baddest toy for whatever their hobby is. But deep down, they're miserable. Because covetousness isn't going to fill that desire that God can, that Christ can. And obviously, if they're not saved, they need Christ. And, and the, the other preoccupation here we can say is vanity. In verse 37, it says, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. And and uh, the, the word there, beholding, has the idea to make, uh, to enjoy, or to approve of. And, and so again, it's that desire to, to have those vain things, if you will. And uh, everything that we acquire that is not in accordance with God's word is vain. Vanity. But we can be prone to lean that way. Rather than our hearts being inclined to the things of God and His Word, we can be inclined to the vain things of this world. And uh, we, we definitely need to be careful. And King Solomon wrote much of the acquisition of these vain things. He, he, he acquired a lot. And we know his writings is the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, listen, he had all the gear. He was browsing and reading all the books, and he was marrying all the maidens. 
He was constructing all the castles and experiencing all the excesses that life had to offer. And let me remind you what he says in Ecclesiastes 12.8. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, all is vanity. It's vain. Somebody that had the opportunity to experience everything that the world offered. And he gets there to the end of Ecclesiastes and he's like, wow. It was nothing. Insignificant, worthless. And, and listen, sometimes we need to be reminded of that because we get, get so caught up with that with that today. Uh, our world is just surrounded with that. And, and it goes on in, in verse 13 of Ecclesiastes 12. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. And he says, you know what? The reality is we need to fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. None of those other things matter. Is it wrong to have things? Absolutely not. But if those are the focus of your life, woe unto you. Uh, we need to have God as our focus and, and fearing him and keeping his commandments. Uh, that's our duty. Uh, we can find fulfillment and contentment in serving God. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The world's going to try to tell us we're missing out. Boy, you didn't do this or you didn't do that. And, and young people oftentimes are, are uh, <clears throat> really susceptible to this type of an attitude. Well, I can't believe you don't do this or you don't do that. And, and, but listen, us adults are just as susceptible to that. We like to think we're mature and we know. But the reality is we have a flesh that we battle. And we need to understand that, that the true happiness in life uh, for the child of God is at the right hand of God in His presence. And in order to be there, we need to know God's Word and remind you this morning, we need to be willing to do what He says before He asks of it. That's where the true delight comes from, uh, is, is, is sticking at the right hands of God. So we need illumination. We, we need God to... Give us that inclination and we need to avoid some things. And then uh, lastly this morning, we need to pray for the right focus. And uh, we have the world and the flesh that opposes us. And the psalmist prays this in verse 38. Establish thy word unto thy servant. And the word translated there uh, is uh, imra. Uh, the psalmist is not referring to a particular or specific promise, but to all of God's word. Uh, all of God's promises, if you will. And, and God will always confirm His promises. And, and uh, we need to be focused uh, on the things of God and, and have God's focus in our life. And uh, God requires us to increase our understanding of God's Word as, as we grow, right? Uh, to, it, it says there in verse 38, uh, <clears throat> establish thy word. And the idea is to be rooted and, and grounded in the Word of God. And, and uh, we ought to be growing uh, but one of the things that we struggle with is God's eternal word is not served buffet style. We don't get to pick and choose what we want. I love going to the buffet. I try not to go these days because I can't, I don't know, that metabolism or whatever, I don't know. It, I just can't eat as much as I used to and not be affected like I was once. And, and so I got to avoid the buffet because it's too tempting, you know. I want three or four trips and you go home bloated and feeling disgusted with yourself. But, but we can't handle the word of God like that. Uh, it's not a buffet where we just get a pick and choose. Uh, Jesus overturned Satan temptations by quoting God's eternal word. 
and, and Satan knows Jesus. There in the desert, he's hungry. He's, uh, boy, we would say we're starving. And he tempts him to turn those stones into bread. And, and how, what's Jesus' reply? The word of God. Uh, and, and so we, our focus ought to be the word of God and walking with God. Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 3, but Matthew 4 says this, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. It's every word. And so as students of the word of God, we ought to be getting into every word. Uh, listen, I have favorite passages or favorite books of the Bible. But I shouldn't neglect others just so I can focus on the ones I like. That's like going to the buffet and going straight to the cheesecake. I love cheesecake. And cheesecake loves me. It, when I eat it, it just sticks around. Um, and so, listen, we need to be careful that we're in the whole Word of God. And uh, we're not just neglecting parts of God's Word and and uh, the psalmist states in the latter part of verse 38 that he will fear God when he confirms his promises. And uh, we, uh, the first chapter in Revelation records the Apostle John's personal encounter with, with the awesome resurrected King Jesus uh, coming into the world. John, Revelation 1.17 says this, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Uh, Jesus uh, then uh, tells the terrified John, look what he says in the latter part of that verse, and he, in, this is Revelation 1.17, the latter part. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. And, and uh, listen, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, you should be absolutely terrified. And you think of that, uh, I mean, I can't imagine the experience John's going through here. And, uh, but, but here he is, and, and uh, standing before the king of kings. Uh, but the reality is, if you have fallen at the feet of Jesus and made him your Savior and Lord, you no longer need to be afraid of the judgment of God. Uh, because you have that Savior. And, and uh, <clears throat> you can live, uh, I love the promise in Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. You can't go boldly because of anything you've done. But we can have boldness before God. Because of what Christ has done. Uh, that's an amazing thing to think about. And, and when you think of John falling down and, and Jesus says, hey, fear not. And uh, what a blessing. That doesn't mean we don't revere God or fear God. Um, and, uh, but when we go before his throne in, in the name of Christ, we can have confidence. And uh, <clears throat> did you know in any school there's potential for dropping out? Ask my parents. I think they finished the seventh grade. I don't think they finished eighth grade. Either of my parents. Uh, with any school, you know, there's been many of folks that have started college and didn't finish. Uh, there's been many of folks that started a lot of things and didn't finish. And, and for the Christian, some might, we often use the term backsliding. Uh, we are tempted to give in to the ridicule or scorn of the world. Uh, no one likes to be disrespected or left out by society. And uh, look at verse 39, turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. And, and uh, perhaps maybe the psalmist knew he had done some things that might give occasion of the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. Uh, but we do know that, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution. 
There will be reproach. And the reality is, is being a friends with Jesus will make us enemies with the world. Uh, there will be reproaches to bear. Uh, and Jesus promises the world will treat his disciples as he treated. That's a sobering thought. When you think of the things that Christ faced in his life. Uh, and <clears throat> the, the trouble that he went through and the crucifixion. Uh, and, and for the sake of time, I, I want to turn your attention to verse 40. And so the psalmist concludes this stand-up with two uh, really good, wonderful lines. In, in verse 40, it says, Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Uh, do you long after the precepts of God? Uh, do you desire him to quicken you? Uh, what, a, what a blessing uh, to think about that. Listen, wherever we go on this earth, if you listen carefully, you'll hear people saying, what's wrong with this world? You hear it everywhere. What in the world is going on here? But if you really tune into that, you'll hear people say, what's wrong with me? When people lay their head on that pillow at night, they know there's something not right. Apart from Christ. They understand that. And, and uh, the psalmist has given us the answer to these universal questions. Uh, his precepts is, is quicken me in thy righteousness. And listen, in our fallen state, we are spiritually dead people separated from God. We long for the truth and the purpose of our creator. When we receive Christ, we're born again, and that separation is bridged. Praise the Lord. Uh, listen, we can walk out of the darkness and into the light of God's eternal truth. Uh, through Christ. And listen, as we walk in his light, we fight the good fight until one day we can pray a, a different prayer in Psalm 116 and verse 8. Look what the psalmist says there. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Uh, listen this morning, we need to be students of God's word. And what I really want you to take this morning and what the Lord impressed on my heart as I, I did this is you need to say yes to God before he's told you what he wants you to do. That goes for the lost person and the saved person alike. The lost person needs to understand if they respond in faith that God will keep his word and keep his promise and he'll save you. But today... For us, the majority of us, if not all of us this morning, probably have made a profession of faith in Christ. And I think our failure point is when we just know it here, but we're not willing to do it. Are you willing to do what God wants you to do? As you study the Word of God and as you hear the Word of God taught and you hear the Word of God preached and, and the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart, what's your answer? I'm just going to sit here and white knuckle the back of this chair until I get through this, this period of, uh, of conviction. Or is your response, Lord, this is the way. Isaiah, uh, I think it's chapter 30, verse 12, it says, this is the way, walk ye in it. When God shows you the way, I hope your answer is yes, I'm going to walk in it, Lord. Just show me and I'll do it. Father, we do thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that we would be a yes people. Lord, I pray that we have decided in our hearts that we would wholeheartedly follow you. 
Lord, even when we don't know the, the end result or don't even understand the next step. But I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be willing and obedient whenever you show it. And I pray that we would have a willing heart before. I pray that you'd incline our hearts to do the things that you instruct us. And we'll give you the thanks for what you do in our lives. And Father, we pray for your blessing upon the morning service. We ask that you would fill with the Spirit of God. Bless the preaching of your word. And I pray that hearts would be tender. And Lord, that you would move in lives. I pray that for the lost, they'd be saved. And Lord, for the people of God would be strengthened and encouraged and challenged to walk closer to you. We thank these, uh, thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.